Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wellbeing Radio. Conversations for positive change. Hey everybody and welcome to That Guy Who Loves the Universe, a radio show dedicated to the exploration, investigation and examination of all things spiritual. I'm your host, Sean Patrick, aka That Guy Who Loves the Universe. I'm the author of the best-selling book, That Guy Who Loves the Universe, and founder of the publishing house, That Guy's House, which is a spiritual publishing company dedicated to mind, body, spirit, and spiritual stories. And today's topic is a perfect place to begin this journey we're going to go on together because our topic is the start of any great spiritual story. It is the gateway experience to our spiritual journey and it's the thing that started my own spiritual journey over 10 years ago and the thing that seems to have started hundreds of people's spiritual journeys whose books come across my desk every day. And that is The Dark Night of the Soul. Such a powerful statement, such a incredible gateway to, to who we are, not nice to experience at the time. And something that so many of us know about and so many of us talk about, but have never actually dissected the concept and that includes me it's something i've been speaking about so long and it was only in prep for this sharing that i got to learn so much more about it so today we're going to be looking at what a dark night of the soul is how it shows up in your life and how it can be used ultimately for a creation of meaning and fulfillment in your life. And we're going to be speaking to the incredible Catherine Abbott-Jones, who is the author of The Reluctant Alchemist, and she's also a trauma therapist. So it's going to be really exciting to hear how this concept of Dark Night of the Soul shows up for her clients. One thing I find really interesting is, and I am a, what you could call a recovering Catholic, that's how I was raised, and I steer clear of Christian and Catholic things, so to speak. However, I was happy to learn that this phrase, Dark Night of the Soul, actually originates from a Catholic poem that was written by a guy called John of the Cross. And even in all my years in being a Catholic, I have not heard of this poem, and I've not heard of John of the Cross, so it's cool to be learning this. And it really speaks about in this poem that the phrase came from that a dark night of the soul is our spiritual crisis on the journey towards union with quote-unquote God. Of course, replace the word God here for anything you'd like to call it. My preferred phrase is the universe. That's why I'm that guy who loves the universe. But light, higher self, consciousness, love. A spiritual crisis occurs when we have our dark night of the soul because there is some problem with are arriving at our union with our higher self. Now, most of our lives are spent in a pursuit of pleasure, but I think it's more than that. I think it's status, power, security. 
We're trying to find a way in this world where we are ultimately what we perceive as safe. And we try and find that safety in things. But effectively, we all arrive at some point, some sooner, some later, but we all arrive at a place where we know that's just not going to cut it anymore. That constant roller coaster of seeking pleasure, avoiding pain, seeking pleasure, avoiding pain, seeking pleasure, avoiding pain. I mean, it becomes boring at best and absolutely harrowingly depleting at worst. And I do believe the harrowing, depleting end of the story is the Dark Knight of the Soul. I didn't call it a Dark Knight of the Soul for so long. I like the phrase, the bathroom floor moment. That's what I call it in my book. I don't think I'm the person to have coined that phrase. But yeah, for me, it's that moment where you are so depleted, scared, anxious, that you lock yourself in your bathroom, lie on the floor just to find some relief, some prayer. That's how I've understood it. It's that bathroom floor moment. My occurred, mine occurred over 10 years ago. It was a summer's evening in the year 2010, and I was still young, so I pat myself on the back for that. I was 22 at the time, but I was so just aware that the way I was living my life wasn't working out. I was a fresh college graduate. I had a great job. I had a fancy apartment. My life at the time was very much, as so many people of my age, it's very much about this constant pursuit of pleasure. But it's awfully harrowing when you learn that that's just not going to work. Anyway, The Dark Knight of the Soul is a crossroads. And I think it's really important to know that The Dark Knight of the Soul is a crossroads between knowing that how things have been aren't working anymore, but also ultimately having no idea how things can be better. The phrase does originate from a religion, which, you know, I said I don't necessarily like, but either way, I'm fine with it because I love the phrase and the concept. Religion doesn't get to monopolize what is a spiritual experience. So as much as it does originate in religion, we all know that this experience of the Dark Knight of the Soul is completely universal. And also, there is a difference between feeling sad, feeling depressed, and having this monumental shift, which is the Dark Knight of the Soul. And I have to say, what I believe to be the difference is a Dark Knight of the Soul is useful. It comes off service. It is about awakening you to something deeper so you arrive at a place of deeper meaning in your life. I also believe, as much as it is a spiritual term, and I very much speak about the dark night of the soul from a spiritual perspective, it's not just happening in our quote-unquote soul, it's also happening in our brain. There's a level of trauma coming up, there's a level of fight or flight. Chemically, I'm sure cortisol is being released left, right, and center where we are literally terrified of our ability to survive. You know, there's caveman instincts that come up here. So it's a really great, juicy spiritual topic. And it's so nuanced. Like you can't just think, oh, I'm having a dark night of the soul. And the next day I'm better. No, it's like a multi-layered, faceted, incredible serving experience, which shows up in all of our lives, which can be applied to greater meaning and fulfillment in your life. We're going to be discussing this more after the break. We're going to be chatting with Catherine Abbott-Jones, author of The Reluctant Alchemist and Trauma Therapist. Until then, 
contemplate on what your dark night of the soul has been and how you have overcome it whilst we have a quick music break. I'll see you in a bit. Hey everybody and welcome back to That Guy Who Loves the Universe. We're now speaking with Catherine Abbott-Jones, author of The Reluctant Alchemist, but she's also a trauma therapist and she's here to talk with us about the dark night of the soul. Catherine, welcome. Thank you. Hey, Sean Patrick, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm really fabulous. Thank you. Really interesting topic we're talking about this month. And it's what I've said is the beginning of any great spiritual story, but it's that thing called the dark night of the soul. Is that a phrase you use and what does it mean to you? Honestly, it's not a phrase that I've used a whole lot, but I think it's a really powerful phrase. And I think it um, it's very evocative. And if you think about it, a lot of people who've suffered trauma have had maybe not just one, but maybe many dark nights of the soul, at least as I define them. For me, at least, a dark night of the soul is when you feel utterly and completely alone. Yes. And without resources and without support, that you feel lost and maybe betrayed and you really 
don't see a way out of a very, very dark place. Absolutely. That's really what came to light in some of the research I was doing for this episode was it really is that crossroads between knowing that where you are and what is not the life you want to be living is not the way you know you should feel, but also you don't yet have the skills, the resources, or even the know-how about how you're going to move your life in a different direction. It really is a, it's a real tough, it's a real tough place. As a trauma therapist, how does this show up in your clients? Is that a phrase they use or is it more abstract than that? It's not honestly a phrase that they use. Um, I think simply because of the, you know, when I am wearing my trauma therapist hat, I'm working, you know, as a licensed clinical social worker, I sometimes I get into spiritual discussions with clients if that is a direction they go in, but I typically try to follow my clients. You know, I try to meet them where they are. And so I'm not trying to throw any of my beliefs or, or thoughts. And so that's, it's a term I actually may use more now that I'm thinking about it and that you've got me thinking about it a bit more, but clients is that often when people come to me, they are in the dark night of the soul and they yes. are looking for support, help, a new perspective, you know, some way of lifting themselves up to find their way out of that dark cave that they're in. Yeah. And it is often something we put a name to in retrospect. I, I've never heard anyone say, I'm currently having a dark night of the soul. Because, <laughs> yeah, people are talking about it, about when they had a dark night of the soul. And as you just said, you know, when you're working with clients, you are in a more clinical headspace. Yeah. And the phrase is very much um, grounded in spirituality. It's actually a Catholic phrase, believe it or not. Right. But it really means the uh, spiritual crisis on the journey towards union with, quote unquote, God from your more spiritual perspective, because we know you've got that I great, <laughs> um, awesome, awesome book, um, The Reluctant Alchemist. From your spiritual perspective, hearing what the original definition is, what further light can you shed on it? Well, I mean, I can say that the book itself, The Reluctant Alchemist, was born of my own, you know, one of my, because I think you can have more than one. <laughs> oh, 100%. Many, you can have many dark nights and you can have, like when I say many, I mean M-I-N-I, -I, like small dark nights that don't last as long and then you can have like really big ones and that maybe last a little longer. And the really big one that I had that was the spark of the book, right, and is the reason the book exists, was the dark night that I experienced when I realized that my marriage was coming to an end and I was living in London. I had been living as an expat princess slash wife for the last 15 years prior to that. I had left a job in the States when I did that. I'd been raising my two fabulous children. I had, but I basically, I had let my licensed clinical social worker license lapse. I hadn't kept it up. I hadn't worked in 15 years. I'd been following my husband around the world. I didn't feel that I had any skills. I didn't know, we, I was living in London, so I obviously wasn't gonna be able to live in London anymore if we weren't gonna be married. You know, so there were so many aspects of it. I didn't know what I was gonna do. I didn't know how I was gonna support myself. I didn't know how my kids were gonna be. I didn't know who I was anymore if I wasn't this, you know, wife and mother and expat wife living this peripatetic life. I was devastated. I knew that my life was needed to be completely different. 
but I had no idea how that was going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And that is the piece of the puzzle. I mean, I've done in all of the research I've done theoretically, but also all of the people I've spoken to are all of the theologians who have commented on this. It's just something you have to endure. And that's a real tough, <laughs> that's a real tough thing to say to, you know, you're on a spiritual self-help path. The, the go-to is to do things. The go-to is to apply wisdom or techniques to ease a pain. But when we're on this topic of dark night of the soul, nobody yet in all of history and all of the gurus can offer anything other than to endure it. Well, the image that comes to my mind when you think of someone enduring something is someone sitting there with, you know, clenched teeth and clenched fists and, and just like sort of with their head down with the storm raging around them. And they're just sitting on this rock, totally exposed and thinking, God, just let this end. I just need it to end. <clears throat> the image that I would want to put forth or that I would suggest that if you find yourself in that space, if you find yourself really lost and alone and not sure what to do is to just sit down and to mm -hmm. stop doing, right? But to do that very purposefully and intentionally if possible, right? To say, okay, I'm going through this terrible thing and I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to sit down for a second and breathe. Absolutely. And that's something we spoke about earlier on in the show is there is a difference between the dark night of the soul and just feeling sad or feeling in despair. Ultimately, what that comes down to is a dark night of the soul is about awakening you to something deeper. So you arrive at a place of more meaning, more fulfillment. So instead of just enduring it, begin to ask the questions, how is this going to serve my awakening to something deeper? And how is this going to propel me to arrive at a place of more meaning? And that will also, if you can answer them questions, you know you're in the dark night of the soul and you're not just feeling downright in despair. Sure. What allowed me to make something of this dark night of the soul, because I guess you don't always make something of dark night of the soul, right? But what allowed me to do that was being able to get to a place where I could, one, have faith that things were going to get better and that this would get figured out. And to also surrender. Like, like I mean, I think one of the things that, that the dark night of the soul teaches you is it teaches you to surrender. It teaches you that you don't have control and that you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or even in the next five minutes and that you have to surrender and allow things to play out. And not to say that you do that passively, you surrender that control and you surrender that attachment to any particular outcome. And when you do that, possibilities open up and things happen, you can begin to see a light and feeling like you're fighting the dark night of the soul instead of really surrendering to it and saying, okay, I'm here, I'm at rock bottom, I'm lost and I need help. And I need to reach out to a friend or to a counselor or to whoever it is that you can reach out to or just the person passing by on the street, whatever it is that you're moved to do, but that you need help, you need to surrender and allow things to play out. Absolutely, and that's a really perfect place to to end because the the original poem that the phrase comes from, the, the Catholic poem by John of the Cross, a line from that poem is, the endurance of darkness is preparation for the light. And 
that is really the way to go through your dark night of the soul or to use it retrospectively to say how did that prepare me right. for a life so much more so much more authentically me right right thank you so much Catherine. well thank you thank you for chatting with me i always love hanging out with you sean oh and i love hanging out with you come back again and love the universe with me bye-bye well-being radio Conversations for Positive Change. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.